0: Before we get started, I have two minutes of introductory remarks. The audio you're about to hear is a collection of quick stories of supernatural occurrences, and I use the word supernatural intentionally and not lightly. Some of these are dramatic, some subtle, but I don't think any of them are merely natural. All of them are testimonies from my friend Kelly Fitzgerald, who is a leader in various homeless and prison outreach ministries in the Washington, D.C. area, and also the Upper Room Fellowship, where she gave this talk around the fire pit at the Quinlan residence. It's the result of me getting tired of hearing Kelly tell me these stories and noticing that many others weren't getting to hear them, so I suggested she do this event some lessons learned with the miraculous one reason i believe these things actually occurred is not just because kelly has reliable time-tested consistent good character but i've experienced myself prophetic words that she gets that have some circumstantial confirmation god gives her information about certain instances in my life that she couldn't know on her own not everything is predictive certainly but that's not uncommon either For example, in the first story she tells about the dog I had in high school, she had no previous knowledge of, including the visual description, its behavior specifics, and even the name of the dog, which is also Kelly, though the spelling is different, and God gave her even that detail in the vision. After her talk, one person came up to me and said, why would God give her a vision of your dog in heaven, which she's had a couple of times, actually. There are a few reasons, I think, but one of the big ones is that the dog represents obvious, unconditional love. It can be hard to believe... But God loves you even more than your dog. One last comment before we start. The reaction that one person present at the talk had was exactly what I'd hoped for. He came up to me and said, well, I wasn't sure about this and that, but taking everything together, I find it really hard to believe God isn't really doing these things. So rather than any one story, it's the composite picture, which I think will stay with you. So listen to the whole talk to get the proper, fuller effect. And I'll be back again at the very end with a brief encouragement on how we can experience more of these things. So there you go. See you in a bit.
1: Thanks for coming out. And as Dave said, I'm going to talk tonight about my experiences that I've had with the charismatic gifts. And kind of specifically through the prayer of laying on of hands. I have about 10 stories that I've chosen to share with you. So with each one, I want to just kind of follow up with what I learned from that. I've experienced healings, visions, prophecies, word of knowledge, and tongues. But tonight, I'm going to stick mostly with healings and visions. All of this started for me about five and a half years ago when I had my baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that towards the end of the talk. But I did want to bring it up now so that when you hear me talking about visions or the number of visions that I've had, you kind of have an idea in your head that it's, you know, over the last five and a half years, it's not something that happened in a week or even within the last month or so but i've probably had hundreds of visions some are really really clear and very specific some aren't as vivid when they're from god they can't be altered so it's almost like if you're watching a movie of somebody riding a bike down the street you can't change what's going on in that particular scene whereas more if it's our imagination it's easier to alter it Any of the names that I use here tonight, I already asked the people ahead of time if it was okay and they gave me permission. I just wanted to say that in case somebody afterwards wants to pray with me. I don't want you to be like, oh, I can't pray with her. Later on, she'll get up and give a talk about it. So (laughs) it's not like that. All these people gave me permission to use their name. So the first story that I want to share, one night I was over at Dave's house and we were praying. I heard something and I turned around And I saw this dog and it went flying across the room and it went up to Dave and it was playing like with his leg and everything. And it's just this medium sized Cocker Spaniel dog. And I got the name Kelly, ironically, and I knew that this was Kelly with a Y at the end. And I could feel like almost like an invisible tunnel coming out of her chest. She just had this like incredible love and it was like aimed toward Dave. I didn't really know what it was or the meaning behind it. So I mentioned it to Dave and he said, well, when I was a kid, I had a medium-sized Cocker Spaniel named Callie. It's almost like a little piece of heaven down here on earth with us, you know? Heaven isn't some distant, far off place. It's right here with us. One night I was coming home from a friend's house and I was going through the toll, which I go through a lot at night. And so I know every night at 10 o'clock, the toll booths attendants close up and go home and you have to have exact change after that. Well, for whatever reason, this one particular night, the toll booth attendant was still in there. It's like 20 after 10. So I go through and I get my money and I usually say hi to the toll booth attendants and how are you? Just kind of try to be friendly. So this one night when I said, how are you? He says, oh, I'm in a lot of pain. It was in the middle of the summer. It was really hot. There were a lot of bugs around. And he said one of the bugs had bit him in the corner of his eye. And so he called his wife and he said, I'm in a lot of pain. Can you please go out to the pharmacy, get some medicine? So, I can have something when I get home. There's like nobody behind us. I left and it's like completely empty. So, I said, Well, do you want me to just pray with you? So, he said, Yeah. I'm assuming he was charismatic because he stuck his arm out the window. So, we were doing like the. (laughs) So, I laid my hand on his arm and we prayed. I'm sure it was under 20 seconds. I didn't think a whole lot about it. I left. And it was a couple months later, I was going through his booth again, and he recognized me. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you won't believe what happened. I had a complete healing that night. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. I'm thinking, you know, like, if I'm at home, and my spouse calls, and they're like, I'm in all this pain. And the bug bit me. Can you go to the pharmacy and get the medication? I go through all that, and then I come home, and the husband comes home. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, I don't need it. You're kind of like, well, why? What happened? Oh, some woman came through and just prayed it all away. Yeah. So it's just like out of the blue, God sends us stuff like this. But he also uses us. So I think that we need to be sensitive to the needs of others or sensitive to what's going on around us, what the Holy Spirit is saying. And not be afraid to either witness to people or to just say, do you want prayer? And they might say no, and that's fine. Luke chapter 8, 16 to 18 says... No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken away from them. And I think that's a good reminder that, you know, the Lord wants us to use the gifts that he's given to us and not be afraid to reach out to others. I used to do this homeless ministry down in Washington, D.C. We would have about 80 to 100 homeless people that would come out into the park. We would set up tables of food, and one of the volunteers would get up and give a message about salvation in Christ while the homeless people were in line. And then when they were done with the message, we would feed them. They kind of spread out throughout the park, sit down, eat the food, and I would circulate throughout the park while they were eating, ask them if they wanted prayer. So after a while, I kind of got to know them and they got to know me. And one day this guy came up to me and he was like, I want prayer, do you mind praying with me? Well, the speaker was still speaking. So I normally don't do that. I just say, wait until they're done speaking and then I'll pray with you. And I just really felt like this one particular time, the Lord said, don't wait with this guy. So I said, all right, let's, you know, move over away from the crowd and everything and we'll pray. So I said to him, what do you want prayers for? He said, well, a job and a house. Those are the two things that I want. And I looked at his eye, and the eyelid was like folded, kind of funny. It looked very different to me. And the pupil was like really, really tiny, almost non-existent. I said, well, what happened to your eye? So he starts telling me when he was a teenager, he had been mugged. Somebody took an ice pick through his eye. So he had been blinded. So I said, well, do you want me to also pray for your eye? He said, well, yeah, that's okay. And I said, can I put my hand on your eye? And he said, yes. So I put my hand on his eye. We prayed for again, under 20 seconds. And he said the whole eye started to tingle and the flap, the eyelid went back to normal and the pupil went back to normal. He had a complete healing. Yeah, so it was incredible. And it reminded me of, like, God wants to bless us with more than we can even think to ask him for. Because this guy was just asking for a job and a house. And yet God had this whole other miracle ready for him, just waiting for him, waiting for us to ask him for it. And it reminded me of Luke eleven thirteen, 13, where it says, if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him i was talking to this girl that i know one day and she had like a lot going on. Her lease in her apartment was up and she was going to school and had exams coming up. And we were just kind of praying for some different things for her, but she had a lot of neck pain. So I said, well, let's pray on that first if you want, you know, we'll go ahead, and pray for your neck. So we were praying and nothing was happening. So I said, well, let's just stay in prayer with it. So we went back into prayer and she said that while we were praying, she had a vision Christ was just standing in front of her and he just kind of like shrugged his shoulders. And he was like, well, if you insist. So I said, all right, let's go back in prayer and we'll tell the Lord. Yes, we insist, Lord. So we did that and she had her neck healed during the prayer. And I think this showed me like the importance of persevering in prayer, not to really give up, but to keep going. If we don't get it right away, just to kind of stay in prayer with it. And it was also neat that the person being prayed for had the vision. Hosea 12.6 talks about waiting on God continually. So again, it's that whole theme of just perseverance and persevering in prayer. Who was here for um, Zia's talk on inner healing or generational healing? Okay, for those of you that weren't at the talk, she gave a talk at one of the fellowship meetings. She was talking about generational healing and inner healing and how things can be passed down through the different generations. And I thought of that with my next example, my next story. I was praying for this guy, Tommy, and praying for him for a while. I was just at home one night, he wasn't there. I was on the phone with a friend and I said, can we pray for this guy I know, his name is Tommy. He has a lot going on. So we were praying and she said, um, she got the word isolation. And I said, yeah, he's very, very much isolated. That totally from God, it totally fits. So we kept praying and she said, oh, um, I think the parents or one of the parents were very much isolated. I think it was the father. And he kind of passed that down. And I said, no, I don't think that's from God because I knew the father really well. And he was very social, um, had parties all the time, had people over all the time. And she said, well, you know, you can sometimes do that and still be isolated from people, like have lots of people around you but not really be connected to them. So I, well, maybe that's what I thought. I kind of dismissed it from my mind, didn't think too much of it. And then I got off the phone with her, and I had a vision of this car going up the side of a mountain. The car went off the cliff. And it was a few seconds later, and there were these three guys, they were like in their mid to late 20s, just rose up and definitely a strong sense they had died. I didn't recognize the guys, I didn't know them, but that's not unusual for me because a lot of times the Lord will give me visions of people I don't know and it's just so I can pray for them. So I just kind of prayed for the men and for their families and didn't think a whole lot about it. And I went to bed and the next morning when I got up, the Lord said that vision that you had last night was Tommy's father. Well, I had known Tommy's father, and when he was in his mid-twenties, because he he had shared with me the story about how he'd been out with three of his best friends one night, and they were driving, and the car went off a cliff, and he was the only survivor. So the Lord said after that accident, he began to withdraw and kind of became isolated. So that's what passed down to Tommy. Mm. In Exodus 40, it talks about um, when Aaron and his sons were anointed, And the Lord said the anointing will last through the generations, and we praise God for that. That's a totally awesome thing. But I think the same thing happens when there's wounds and there's hurt. A lot of times that can be passed down as well. So it's good to pray about it, to recognize it, and be able to put it before the Lord. This next story is actually one of my favorites, and it might seem a little bit insignificant, but 12 years ago, I used to teach special ed in the public schools. And my first year teaching, I was in a physically disabled program. My kids had cerebral palsy. And there was this one kid that I was just especially close to. We just bonded right away. He was really funny. He was always telling all these jokes, but they were really funny jokes for, like, an 8-year-old. So <laughs> after that year, I had switched to another school, and I never saw him again. So over the years, I just kind of on and off, I prayed for him, prayed for his family. But I just figured, well, until I get to heaven, I'll probably never see him again. And one night last spring, I was praying for him, and I said, you know what, God? It'd be really cool if I could have him in my life again, even if it's just for a short period of time. And right after that, I had an offer for a temp job. It was a three-week job, teaching developmentally disabled adults job skills and he was in there. Yeah, so it was really neat. And he totally remembered me and joking around with me just like he was 12 years ago. And we were having a lot of the same conversations. So I was like, God, this is so cool. This is just so amazing that you did this for me. I love it. But I thought of the wedding feast at Cano where Christ turned the water into wine. You know, it's not like healing somebody, but it was something that was important to them. And so it was important to Christ. And I think that's how he feels like me running into this kid again would not have been that big a deal like if it didn't happen. But it was something that was neat for me. And so it was important to God because it was important to me. It was just like it goes to show he really does care about the small details of our lives. Four years in a row on January 1st, I would get a word or a vision for the Lord, something that I always felt like was really big. And one year, the Lord sent me a word and He said, On May 16th, you're going to pray for a man named Eduardo. So I was like, Well, that's weird. That was the whole message. There was nothing else with it. So I was like, Is that May 16th this year, next year, five years? I was like, I don't know. So, I I wrote it down. I kind of thought about it and kind of put it in the back of my head. But come the following May, I did remember it and I started thinking about it again. So, May 16th comes, and at the end of the day, one of my colleagues came up to me and she said, Do you want to go out to dinner tonight? I said, Yeah, that sounds good. You know, let's go out for dinner. And I'm kind of thinking, All right, haven't met anyone named Eduardo. Maybe it'll happen tonight. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) we went out, we had a late dinner. And I'm like, all right, nothing's happening. We were heading out of the restaurant and my friend ran into somebody that she knows and she had a friend with her and he needed prayer. So she said, well, Kelly has a heart for prayer. What, you know, Kelly, do you mind praying with him? So I said, no. So we kind of went around to the back, like the side of the restaurant and he introduced himself. His name is Johnny. So I was like, all right, it's not Eduardo. (laughs) So we prayed for a while. And we left, and I went home, and I was like, all right, Lord, the May 16th, praying for Eduardo, didn't happen. Was it really May 18th, and I got it confused, or was it not from you, or is it next year? I kind of, for the next few days, was keeping an eye out. I was just, like, really curious what's going to happen with this word. Nothing happened. Several days went by. Johnny had been calling me, and we'd been talking on the phone. And then one day, just out of the blue, he says to me, Oh, by the way, my real name isn't Johnny. It's Eduardo. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So that was incredible. As far as like learning a lesson from that, I just think there's not a whole lot behind it other than I think God used it to build my confidence up. You know, we really can go before him and we can trust in the words that he sends us. And Hebrews 12 talks about, let us approach the throne with confidence. So that was something that the Lord used to build my confidence. About 12 years ago, I was going up to communion and I turned around and there were all these angels on my left. They were all escorting me up to communion. They were just absolutely huge kind of had like a light blue tint as far as the color. And I could see their mouths were like really round and they had song books and they were singing. And they just escorted me all the way up to communion. And I thought if there's ever a time at church when I want to see angels, it's when I'm going up to communion. And so the scripture from Luke twenty-four thirties talks about you know, the disciples, their eyes were opened during the breaking of the bread. One night I was coming home and I had what I call an open vision because I have the vision. I'm not really in prayer and my eyes are open. And it was just really bizarre. There was this police officer on my back deck. For those of you that haven't been at my house, my deck is up on the second level and there's no stairs connecting the ground to the deck. So the only way you can get into the deck is through the house, through the middle level of the house. So in this vision, there's this police officer and he's on the deck and he's like tapping on the window and he's trying to get in. And there's this sense that the phone in the kitchen just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. I'm upstairs in the bedroom just doing nothing, have no idea what's going on downstairs. And there's some sense about somebody going through the neighbor's house, the people that live next door to me. And there's some sense of that people think that I'm in the house that I've been injured, but I haven't been injured. This is really, really bizarre. I definitely dismissed it from my mind. And then two months later, I wake up one night in the middle of the night and I hear this tapping downstairs from the kitchen. And I was kind of like half asleep. And I went down in the kitchen and there's this big guy and he has a flashlight and he's tapping, and he's trying to get in. Most people would probably go screaming out the front door or call 911. <laughs> I'm like half asleep. I walk over to the door and open it up and let them in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a police officer. My roommate had gotten locked out. She kept trying to call me. She apparently stood outside for like an hour calling, and I was asleep. I slept through it all. She finds up calling 911. She's like, There's no way my roommate would be sleeping through all this, and you got to come, and something's happened to her. She said they flew out there, tried to break down the front door, couldn't get in. <laughs> the next door neighbors said to the cops, well, why don't you come through our house? So the cop went through their house, up their deck, jumped over onto my deck. Yeah, so that was just one of those things. I don't know why the Lord showed that to me before it happened. And also, again, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, just trust me. A friend of mine prayed with me, it was five and a half years ago, um, for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you're not familiar with that, what it is, is somebody will lay hands on you, like on your shoulder or on your head, on your back. And they pray for the Holy Spirit and for us to be filled with the gifts, So, such as tongues and prophecy and visions, all this stuff. Well, at the time that she was praying with me, I really didn't know what all this stuff was. I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, pray with me. But she prayed with me and I had my baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it was really neat. And then five months later, I had a word from the Lord and he said, I have the gift of tongues for you. Well, tongues wasn't something that I particularly wanted. <laughs> when he said that word to me, he filled me with a really deep desire for the gift. But I still didn't know, like, is he saying he has it for me in two days, in two years? What is this? But I knew I really wanted it at that point. I didn't know a lot about it. So I went out and just got as many books as I could and just started reading and reading and reading. And then two weeks later, the same friend prayed with me again. We prayed for tongues. And then that night it came out. It was really neat. In scripture, Acts chapter 19 talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Questions?
0: When you have visions, is it when you're in prayer or not in prayer?
1: Mostly in prayer. I've had a few outside of prayer. But yeah, most of them are when I'm in prayer.
0: In the case with Dave, this is kind of the past. Mm-hmm. It sounds like some of the visions you have are more like prophecies. Is, is there a difference between Well, vision or?
1: Visions are sometimes, like you say, prophesying something from the future, or it can be more symbolic. For example, a friend of mine was praying with me recently. For months, I was getting these visions of these doors that were swinging open, and then I was like, "Are they swinging open or are they swinging closed?" Like I couldn't figure out the message there. And my friend came over, and she was praying with me one night. We were out on my deck. She didn't know any of this. We just started praying, and she's, "I see a vision of this door, and Christ is slamming it shut." She felt like it was a message, you're under attack from the enemy. Christ was blocking the door from being reopened. And she said the message was, he wants to see how you respond to this attack. I guess like in that situation, it was kind of symbolic. But it was also something that was going on in my life at that moment. Augustine actually categorizes them. So if you're really interested in it, I would Google it or even try and find some books on it because it's really interesting.
0: Do you also notice that the visions is mostly for other people and not for
1: yourself? It depends. If I'm praying over other people, it's usually for the person I'm praying for. And yeah, I definitely get visions for myself as well. I do a lot of intercessory prayer. So I'll get visions of people that I've never met before, people I don't know. For example, there's a priest that I'm praying for right now. I've been praying for him for several months now. All I know is he had like a sister that was killed and he hasn't been healed from it yet. His healing is halfway there may never meet him until i get to heaven it's just the lord sent me that vision and told me to pray for him have you seen his face i have yes yeah if i ever come across him <laughs> i've gotten enough details from his face i will know him yeah
0: you know that his sister too that his sister
1: was born it, yeah he had well i don't know she, she died at a young age like mid to late 20s yeah
0: ask God every morning for miracles? You know, are you disposing yourself in a way that most
1: people don't? Actually, I don't think so. I'm not afraid to ask God for a miracle for a specific situation. With the homeless man who came up to me in the eye, who's blind in the eye. In that case, I wasn't afraid to like go before God and just ask for a complete and instant healing, and that's what happened. Because I think sometimes people say, oh, we want this healed, and they're kind of expecting a gradual healing, or, well, Lord, even if you can heal it halfway... So for myself, I just kind of, we want a complete healing. You know, it's all God's will. But I think these things are available to everybody. And I think a lot of it has to do with just believing that God wants to bless us in this way. And wanting more of Him. Have you seen much change in like, people's hearts from these healings? Like the man whose eye was healed? Did you ever see like, follow-up on That's a good question. I don't see him anymore. So I wish I did. I do know with a lot of the homeless people that I pray over, they'll make comments to me like, pray over me, I'm set for the rest of the day, I feel good for the rest of the day. And they'll seek me out during the next ministry. They're like, I need prayer, I want to feel better today. That's kind of neat to see that, that they're benefiting from the prayers there. But no, that other guy with the eye, I haven't seen him since that happened. So I don't know. I'd be really hesitant to do that because I don't i don't know if it's my own lack of faith that like not believing god would add to that but i guess i'd be afraid to like pray for someone have nothing happen and then the person just like it almost decreases their faith in a way yeah but see i think that's where it comes in for us to have the faith that something will happen we had with the homeless ministry we had people that i was praying with because i remember like with this one guy one night he didn't want any food and i was like you don't want to eat He's like, no, I'm not homeless. I just come down here to get prayer from you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have good feelings after the vision that you get from God, or sometimes
0: it it can scare you?
1: That's a good question, because I think when we get visions, if we do have a feeling of darkness with it, it's usually not from God.
0: Have you ever experienced the presence of the evil one?
1: I think so. One night in my bedroom, yeah. It felt like it. (laughs) With the it was about two months earlier. I was in the car driving home. I saw it. My eyes were open. I wasn't in prayer. I was driving. I dismissed it. I mean, who wouldn't? It just sounded really bizarre. <laughs> did you tell him afterwards? I didn't tell the cops. I told my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're coming down and opening up the door to a stranger at night to you see your relationship with christ does it give you a super sense of security and a sense of safety i know when i opened the door i just wasn't at all cognizant i was half asleep okay. <laughs> but i do think like god protects us in that way mm-hmm. but i do feel like i have a greater sense of security than some other people might to pray for people do you have a sense that god's asking you to pray for that person or do you just generally feel like anytime you see something that's an indication to pray no i think it's definitely like from god and not so much a specific word but just kind of a feeling i rarely have people turn me down which is funny and that's why i kind of think that it is from god you know I think he wants us to approach him with faith and confidence, and even I think sometimes if we don't see something right away, something might happen later on down the road that we don't see, and you know that's fine too. You said this could be for anybody. I think that's true, but I wonder, like the way that you are, or something like that, because even there's something probably an interior disposition or openness to God which allows not to be blocked. I try to be and, you know, like we all try to be obedient to God and to his word and all that. And obedience is one way of telling him, I want more of you. People that I've prayed with, they're strong Christians, they're believers. And the Lord will just say they don't really want the thing that they're asking for. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of the books that I've read on the charismatic gifts, they all kind of say, well, you have to want it or you have to ask God for it. So it all kind of makes sense, but I've prayed with people who don't even want me praying with them and something happens, like they're not believers at all. This one homeless guy that I had prayed over, he was totally filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. And he had another friend come and pray with me, the same thing happened, just like that. And so they went and got this girl that they know, and they were trying to get her to let me pray with her, and she just, she was cussing me out, she's like, I don't want any of that, I'm not going to let you, don't get near me. and the guys were like these huge six foot two guys they're egging her on they're going oh come on come on just do it and she's like I guess if you have to not a believer or anything and I was getting offended I was like no I don't have to do this but I put my hand on her shoulder and we just prayed for under 10 minutes and just something happened just like that and she's like don't don't leave don't walk away come back I want more That's what she said to me. Yeah, so there's an example of somebody who didn't want it, who got it. But I think for the most part, God wants us to want it. Especially when we already know him, we already know the kingdom. Oh, I think God wants to use all of us. Yeah, sometimes different gifts for different people. But yeah, I think he definitely wants to use all of us.
0: I'm saying what I think probably enables that is maybe a lack of blockage or something like that before God.
1: If we've noticed we have a lack of faith or a block, we can offer that up to God too. Instead of trying to fix the lack of faith on our own, just invite him to come in and fix it. I also think that when you're
0: in prayer, constant prayer, maybe several times a day or whatever, you're opening up,
1: you're getting closer to him, you're priming your heart, you're constantly inviting the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, you're open to it, you see it, you feel it, you're looking for it, you have it.
0: People who are believers see it and become connected.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like when you say people become connected to you like stay away from movies that aren't appropriate or movies that, you know, Christ wouldn't want us to watch, not to fill our minds with junk or magazines that are inappropriate or even things that just aren't of Christ, you know. And when we go into the workplace, like I try to be positive and upbeat and it can be hard sometimes. We have to remember everybody went in Monday morning dealing with the same bad weather or the same traffic jams and, you know, just like good morning and how was your weekend and leave the junk behind and, and then also when we try and reach out to a non-believer, if we are trying to live a life that is Christ-like, the non-believers are automatically going to be drawn to that. And then when Christ tells us, okay, reach out to this person, I think it's a lot easier because they're more drawn to you. If I go around, complain, and then say, hey, why don't you come follow Christ and you can be miserable like me? You know? <laughs> yeah. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would say simple. Probably similar to probably everyone here. I just, I pray a little bit when I get up in the morning, not very long. The majority of my prayer time is at night. And that's just because of my personality. I'm a night person. I'm not much of a morning person. Yeah, I definitely like to start off with praise. And I ask God if there's something or someone specific he wants me to pray for. And I kind of try to listen for a word there and go with that. And if not, then I just kind of go into my own prayer request. Did you have any experiences, um, any
0: visions when you were doing prison ministry?
1: Not specifically praying for the prisoners, but when I was little, maybe seven or eight, I was starting to get these dreams that as an adult I was in prison. Hmm. And the dreams weren't very often, but they were very consistent. It was always the same dream. I'm an adult and I'm in prison. And I was scared. And I was like, Lord, are you saying I'm going to grow up to be a criminal? (laughs) what's going on my whole childhood all the way through my teen years and when i was in college it was when i began to recognize i could actually see more of the dream actually see myself instead of just feeling myself in the prison and i noticed that um i didn't have on a prison uniform and other people around me did so i started to feel better But I was studying education, so what I thought the calling was going to be was to go in and teach women how to read, women that don't know how to read. But I realize now that it was the calling for the prison ministry. And he's been preparing me since I was probably seven or eight years old for this. And I've prayed with prisoners that have had instant healings, too. So that's pretty cool. Have
0: you ever have dreams, too, that are different than regular dreams?
1: I've had a few things that kind of felt like they were from God. Yeah, some of them haven't. Have you seen
0: before?
1: Yeah, I did one time. I was in a restaurant, and he walked up behind the person that I was with and just kind of touched his shoulder and walked off.
0: How did you feel?
1: I, again, I was shocked. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. This particular instance, it was like a golden light, but I could tell that it was Christ. So almost like an outline. So thank you. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we praise you and worship you and honor you and you alone. You are our king. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for each and every person that you brought here tonight. Jesus, I lift every single person here up to you. And as you pour out your Holy Spirit upon each person, send them the gifts that you have for them. Build up our faith and any lack of faith or doubt that we might have. Replace it with your power and your confidence and your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, help us to open ourselves up to the gifts that you have for us, to the words that you have for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen.
0: Okay, thanks for listening. At the end here, I wanted to offer a brief encouragement on how to activate more of these powers by telling a little story about Kelly. A few years back, before she started experiencing these things, we had a special event at the fellowship to ask God to help us unwrap some of these presents. And Kelly was hungry for God, so she received the prayer of the laying on of hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. During which, our friend Moira received a vision of Christ handing her a gift with the word prophecy written on the side of it. I thought to myself, okay, great. Seems obvious, since he wrote it on the side. But then it wasn't so obvious. There was a reason he did that, because there was a test involved. In the following months, I would casually ask Kelly, Hey, what's uh, the Lord saying to you? Nothing. I'm thinking, hmm, Moira's pretty accurate. That doesn't sound right. But Kelly kept at it in faith and kept attending the prayer meetings, and in the ensuing months, by persevering, she eventually would see a vision here and there. That seed had to be watered and grown into a plant, and eventually the visions got to be common. The tree produced quite a bit. In the Bible, and in modern experience, the prayer of the laying on of hands is the normal mega-fertilizer for the supernatural dimension of Christianity. And the places where these things normally occur are at charismatic prayer meetings and events, but they can happen anywhere if we're hungry. So what I'd recommend is to make it a point to find an environment where this is a regular happening. Okay, thanks for listening. There's lots more good stuff at DaveNevins.com. And don't miss the book, Surrendering to Abundance, which has a wealth of great material on hearing God's voice more clearly with over 150 examples and lessons learned, stories, interviews, and that's available on Amazon. So, enjoy.